Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. What is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. Imagine for a sec that you're a new principal and you were just handed the keys to your building. Feelings of excitement, possibility, maybe even some fear all swirl together. It's complicated. The superintendent pats you on the back and says, watch out for Mrs. Greenfield. She retired 10 years ago and still comes to work every day. Oh, and by the way, here's all the things we expect you to change at Happy Valley Middle School. How in the world would you approach the laundry list of change you were asked to create? How on earth would you approach Mrs. Greenfield? And why the heck is she still coming to school every day after retiring a decade ago? My guest today, Dr. Larry Hosner, faced that exact situation. We'll reveal how he addressed it in just a bit. Dr. Hosner also mentions on the show how principals need support. That's exactly why I started my leadership development community in 2016, The Mastermind. We believe leadership is tough enough, and even tougher in isolation. You can read all about our community at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. But we're not for everyone, and I encourage you to reach out to Dr. Hosner as well if you're looking for leadership, support, and coaching. So, ruckus maker. Thanks for being here. Stick around for my conversation with Dr. Hosner. And before we jump into this episode, let's take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, which increases student active engagement and participation and reduces classroom management issues. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. Using artificial intelligence, the TeachFX app enables instructional leaders to coach more teachers more often and more effectively. Learn how and get a special offer by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. We're joined again with our expert coach at Better Leaders, Better Schools, Kelly Crane, with today's tip of the week. What do you have for us, Kelly? Hey, Danny, today we're going to talk about an app called Wakelet, W-A-K-E-L-E-T. So what it does is it takes, you know how you're on your computer and you're always finding great stuff. It might be on Twitter, it might be on Facebook, it may be an article, and there's all these social media sites, and then you can't find it again, or you're not able to share it with your staff. Well, Wakelet allows you to curate posts and then you can share those about the various topics. It is a free app and it is something that a lot of educators are using. They use it for newsletters. They use portfolios that showcase students' work in and outside of the classroom. There's digital storytelling, project work personal development, which is my favorite, where you can share articles, you can share videos, conference notes, you can organize all of that. And then resources, you can collate everything 
and you can revisit it anytime on any device. So it is a very useful tool. So across all devices and essentially helps you collect and curate the best content you find online. That's correct. And you know how it goes. You're, you have split screens going everywhere and you have all these articles and you want to save them down. Wakelet is the tool that you can use to do that. And it allows you to share. So that is the greatest part of it. Yeah. So a digital file cabinet that uh, allows what you find valuable to share that very easily uh, with your staff or if you have a tribe that you're building. I really love it. Is it free? Is it paid? It is free. So you can go online to wakelet.com and check it out. You can go to the app store and check it out and just download it. Well, thanks for sharing this tip of the week, Kelly, with the Ruckus Makers. And now on to our leadership conversation with Larry Hosner. All right, Ruckus Maker, I am here with Dr. Larry Hosner, an educator for over 20 years as a teacher, assistant principal, principal, and director in two Southern California school districts and the founder and CEO of Coaching School Leadership, a firm specializing in supporting principals through coaching and professional development. He is the author of the recently published book, The Principal Coaching Model, How to Plan, Design, and Implement a successful program. Larry, welcome to the show. Danny, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And as I was unpacking what a ruckus maker is, we talked about that. A leader who's found freedom from the status quo, a leader who makes change happen, a leader who never, ever gives up. You told me that you have quite a story about making change happen. Let's start there. All right. By the way, I love that term, and descriptor of ruckus maker. I think we need <laughs> we need more of those out there, don't yes. we? Yes, yes. Well, I, you know, as as one that has served as a principal for over fifteen years, you know, there, there's a delicate balance to making change and to basically disrupting the process of making change. In my experience um, as a principal at four schools. I've learned my lesson. And my lesson is this. When you come into an organization as a, as a school leader, the best thing you can do is make positive changes. Mm. Those are wins. The hardest thing to do as a leader is to not make the change up for the things that you think are, well, they're going to drive you crazy. And I think that when you have the mindset like I have in uh, the last school I was a principal at, I, I came in as kind of the cleaner, if you will. And I was told uh, by the assistant soup all the things that I was supposed to come in and, and change and clean up. And where I really realized I needed to start was building relationships with people. And that's an easy win. And I think if you're a successful leader, and successful leaders, I believe, have a knack for building relationships naturally. It doesn't look forced. It doesn't look phony or fake. Right. For me, I got to know some people in my school building that wielded a tremendous amount of power. I'll give you an example. We have a retired teacher at this school. She retired about 10 years ago. But this woman, she volunteers at the school every single day, even though she's been <laughs> retired. She's done yeah. that. And that sounds so generous, and it is. She's a wonderful person. But I was told by the assistant superintendent, that this was somebody who wielded some power with 
um, people in the community. She wielded a lot of power with Board of Education members. Mm. She was an incredibly respected teacher at her time at the school where she had put in nearly- She was watching you. (laughs) You're going right. And truthfully, um, the principal before me, who was a terrific leader, stepped in some landmines. And uh, not not all to their their fault, but I I was given the heads up. So the first thing I did was, well, I was careful, right? I wanted to make sure that I was um, not, I will say, afraid, but I definitely was careful. But one of the first conversations I had with with this uh, former teacher was about three weeks into the school year, and we were alone in the teacher's lounge, and I just asked her, why do you give of yourself so much? Why do you keep coming back to this school every single morning, stay all day, and you've been retired for years? Yeah. And she said, nobody has ever asked me that question before. And you know, her answer, Danny, um, rocked me. Her answer was, now mind you, she's in her late 70s. Mm -hmm. Uh, About 30 years ago, in the prime of her career, her husband, um, sadly, um, passed away unexpectedly and suddenly. And she said that that school became her savior, her life. And that was an epiphany for me as to why this person was here. She wasn't there to create problems for, for leadership. She was there because that was her home and she wanted to give back to others. And after five years of being at that school, we had a terrific relationship and I think it just goes back to the fact that in education, we're in the people business. You know, we're not making a product. We're not making widgets. If you can build those relationships early on with people, and even if you've been told that they are difficult people to get along with, or again, they hold a lot of power, you know, you have to put your ego on the shelf and you have to do what you think is best for the organization and meet people where they're at and I'm glad I had that conversation with her three weeks into the school year because it just, and my, and my tenure at that school, it just opened my eyes to why she was there. And I didn't feel threatened by her. And I felt blessed to have her at, at my right. school. What I appreciate, you know, is that you, you took the time to see her and hear her. And the, the assistant soup, if I understood that story correctly, said, you know, here's the school, here's the keys, and here's the changes you need to make. And I wonder, I'm, I'm curious, maybe as a follow-up question we could hear, you know, was it articulated what kind of runway you had in order to make some of those changes? Uh, but within that, too, they said, well, now watch out for that one over there. This retired principal, or excuse me, a retired teacher, uh, been retired forever, still comes around every day to volunteer. And you could be threatened. You could try to figure out, you know, what's going on. And, and like I joked, you know, she's watching you. In some ways, she probably was, but not to run you out of town, but to, potentially protect the school. And you had the emotional intelligence to sit down with her and say, why? You know, why do you keep coming back? And that seems like such an obvious question, yet you were the first, right? Of Tell me again, how, how long was she retired? About a decade. 10 years. She's mm-hmm. there for 10 years. You're the first to ever ask her. You're potentially the first principal in those 10 years to see her, right? I found it in my own, my own um, experience as a principal, you know, it was crazy when I met with cafe staff or the custodians or the main office. 
in each member of those teams to say, you're the first principal to ever meet with us. And we just have these amazing opportunities to leverage relationships, like you said, and take the, the building to the next level just by seeing and hearing people. So yeah, I, I'm curious, did the assistant soup, when he said all this change needs to be made, did, did they give you a sense of the timeline, the runway you had? No, <laughs> they didn't. I had known that assistant soup. I was coming to the school district from a neighboring school district and the assistant soup and I had known each other for years through our professional organization. So she knew that I was experienced. I could come in and tackle the challenges at that school. And well, she basically just said, these are the reasons that we are here. And it wasn't like, you know, you need to get this done. It's just, these are the things that I need you to, to take care of. And I know you're the person that can do it. And it wasn't, I need this done in 18 months. It wasn't anything like that. And I think after five years at that school, there are probably still some things I, I could still do, you know, and I think that that's another lesson for those of us when we do walk into a, a building that we have to have the mindset that we're going to be there a while. And that's, that goes back to that question about change. And it's so tempting to make change immediately. <laughs> Part of it is we want to kind of prove that, Hey, we're up for this job. But I think the best thing and the gift that we get as an administrator on a new campus is really that first year. It is an absolute treat to be able to sit back, kind of take it all in, make a few positive changes. And then as I used to do, create a list of all the things that drove me crazy that I, in time, because I knew I was going to be there for years, yep, would just yep. off one at a time slowly after I built some trust and some relationships along the way. Let's go to that list. What, you know, not that you have it in front of you, but what type of things might have been on that list that drove you crazy? Well, one of them, and it seemed to be pervasive throughout the, the number of schools that I had worked with, was the process for identifying students uh, for special needs. There, at these schools, it was interesting. They all kind of had this similar uh, approach to that, even though it was two different school districts, that teachers would just run to the school psychologist and say, test this kid. And that was an unfortunate uh, method and process because depending on the school that I was at, those kids, most of those students did not qualify for special education services. And then immediately they put parents into that process. And that's really an unfair thing to do. So I had created a, a model where um, we had started with some tier one interventions and kind of moved into yeah. creating some short-term goals for students where we actually sit down for this one, Danny, looked at data. What? <laughs> yeah. And so these teachers never looked at, looked at data. They just thought, oh, the students, you know, not keeping up with the rest of them. Why don't you test them for special education? So I was kind of forced into creating a model, which I, I, I used for, for many, many years uh, successfully, where actually when we got down to finally uh, just a handful of students that we felt as a team, so it was a team approach to supporting students and supporting teachers through interventions mm -hmm. and uh, looking at data, where we would come to about this time in the school year, it's early spring, where we had given multiple opportunities for interventions for students where we could see that students weren't making growth. And then we could actually start to talk about not special education services, but what additionally can we do for them? And um, that was one of the things that would, that would be on the list almost at every school that I went to. That's, uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. You wouldn't know this, but the guest before this episode, so for the 
Ruckus Maker listening today. This is number 203. Well, episode 202, Franklin Day dove deep into over-identifying students for special ed because that's that's his thing, Larry, and he's a guru there. So I just want to point the listener to go back to that episode in case they missed it. Uh, but Larry, maybe one more thing, one more thing that might be on that list that you just found irritating. Not having high expectations for students. Mm. You know, I saw that at the two Title I schools that I was a principal at where teachers and staff would make excuses for students because maybe they were second language students or they came from, uh, you know, low, uh, low SES community, you know, high poverty schools. I found that, and I can go way back to when I was a, a first year principal in 2002. And I started with that, with the school that I became principal at a title one school. I said, we need to have high expectations. These kids can learn Stop making excuses excuses for them. Challenge them. Give them opportunities uh, to demonstrate their true abilities. And it worked. Those students thrived. Teachers believed, but it didn't happen overnight. They had to actually see, well, once again, the data to prove that these students could do it. So that was something that would that would be on the list as well, having high expectations for all students. Yeah. So high expectations, over-identification of students in in special ed. And where do you dig deep? Like, where does that come from in terms of not attacking that all at once, right? Because from what I heard, you know, you have to exhibit, and and smartly, you exhibited patience in terms of checking those things off and addressing them one at a time, uh, instead of, you know, going all, all out and all of them at the same time, which could just cause major trouble. So where, where does that come from and how'd you do it? You know, I often would put myself in, in the place of my staff. I would sit there and think about, first of all, when you're a new principal in the, well, excuse me, it might be a, a principal, an experienced principal, but new, new to the school site. Every one of those staff members are looking at you and they're thinking, what are they going to do? Why are they here? What are they going to change? So people are very worried and concerned about change. So I think that the best way of approaching that for me was to create a leadership team. Sometimes it was already formed. Um, in elementary school, uh, it's grade level representatives. In secondary, it's you know, your department level chairs. Often those already exist. And those are the folks that I would bring together and run ideas by and also learn from them. Tell me the history about how do we go about identifying students for, um, for services. So my decisions were made in a shared leadership model, shared decision-making. It was never just me sitting in my office saying to myself, this is how I'm going to do it. Now, I maybe thought about it, but I would always run it by the team. And I have to say, those teams saved me a lot in, over my career as a principal because I, I was able to build relationships with, the, with that team where they could honestly and freely tell me, Larry, that's a terrible idea. Don't we're not, we don't want to go down that road, and here's why. Or that's worth exploring. Let's start to walk down that road together. Awesome, appreciate it, Larry. This is this is great so far, and I know that you have recently published uh, your book, the Principal Coaching Model: How to Plan, Design, and Implement a Successful Program. You know, for for the listener, the ruckus maker that doesn't have a lot of experience with coaching, and you know, I have the mastermind, I coach as well. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you. You know, why should they consider it? What's the value for them? Well, I think 
The challenge for our site leaders today is they're leading on an island. Often, you, know, you go through the process of interviewing, you know, applying and interviewing and, and getting that job as a principal. And like you said earlier, they hand you the keys to the building and they kind of just send you on your way. You know, we, we don't do that with teachers, right? We, we coach them up. We give them professional development. We offer them opportunities to refine their craft. But as principals specifically, it doesn't seem to happen, which is leading to uh, burnout. There's a lot of research in my book that I talk about principals moving on. And it all boils down to what is a lack of support. And what coaching offers principals and assistant principals is that thought partner, um, that mentor, uh, that experienced principal to help guide them through not only big picture type of things like we've been talking about this far in this podcast, but also the day-to-day crisis, uh, I should have, that should be plural, crises that they are dealing with. And I think that as a coach myself, that is really where I begin my conversation, my coaching conversations with principals. What can I help you with that you're dealing with right now, today, this morning? And you've been a principal, I've been a principal. I've never stumped anybody with that question, right? <laughs> They've got a laundry list of things they're dealing with. They've got the- yeah, you had to cut them off. <laughs> I know. They've got the crazy parent coming in at three o'clock today. They need a little bit of guidance with that. You know, they've got the employee that's showing up to late, showing up uh, late to work every single day. How are we going to work around that? So I think that in a nutshell, principals are burning out. They're moving on. It's costing school districts a tremendous amount of money. The, The research shows that the average cost to a school district to replace a principal is $25,000. And I took that research and then I ran it through, I vetted it, if you will, um, via some assistant soups of HR. Most of the folks I talked to said that number is low. It should be more than that. Some even said it should be double. So we're, we're encroaching on school district budgets, which are already tight. We need to provide coaching for principals so that they stay in the profession, they support teachers, they support students. And here's one for you. They might actually enjoy the job. Talk to principals today. They're struggling. It's really a difficult job. The job has changed so much in the last, we'll say, decade that it doesn't look like it did 10 years ago. And for school districts not to be providing um, consistent, ongoing coaching to principals is a disservice, I believe. No, it is. I mean, I think that's why I've experienced success. People now trust my voice in the, in the podcast. And uh, we've been able to serve uh, generously thousands, thousands of leaders through this show because uh, it comes out every Wednesday and it's free. And then there's that elite coaching community uh, that's not for everybody, for, for the people that do say, you know, raise their hand and, and say, this is my tribe. Uh, they see incredible results. But the, the I don't want to say funny and it's definitely not ironic, but for me, the, the pain point was as a school leader, I realized that I can't wait for the district to do it for me. One, typically, they didn't bring together when I was an assistant principal, they didn't bring together assistant principals. So there, there was like absolutely no regard for our development, period. Then as a principal, my lived experience, so it's just my experience, but I could talk from it, is that when 
we were brought together, it wasn't how to develop as a leader. It was, let's do all, not let's do, here's the things you need to do so you don't get fired. <laughs> really? I mean, that wasn't said, but that's what was heard, right? And there's, there's a difference there. You know, they're putting out a message, but that's what they were saying. And I think you're, you're resonating with some of that as well. And I love that you're trying to be a part of this solution as well, because principals need more of us. I, I can't serve everybody. You can't serve everybody. And the more people step into the space, in my mind, the better. Something you said that I'm really resonating with uh, is this idea of joy, right? They're going from burnout, but the job can be enjoyable. So can you speak a bit about maybe what you do or how you help principals make that transition from burnt out to abundance and, and filled with joy? Well, for me and those I've coached, I think it circles back to students and watching their growth. And if we take a look back at ourselves individually, why we got into this profession, uh, I was a sportscaster for 10 years before I ever became a teacher. So there's a lot of folks like me that made this a second career choice. And why did I do that? Why did others? It's because we had a heart for giving. We wanted to do what we felt was best for students. And I think that the joy can come from watching that success in our, in our students. You know, we, none of us uh, got an education to get a pat on the back or, you know, um, you know nobody's going to be carrying us off on uh, their shoulders out at the end of the school year. But we do have those wins, and those wins sometimes are immediate. Um, those wins sometimes don't come back to us for years when those kids finally come back. You know, that high school kid comes back to that elementary principal and says, I remember when you were my principal, and this is what you did for me. And I think that to focus on why we're here and what we're really supposed to be focused on, to me, brings joy. My goal every day when I walk onto, the, walk onto that campus was to make a positive difference in the life and the lives of students every day. So at the end of my day driving home, I ask myself that question, did I do that today? And that could be as simple as saying hello to a student. Uh, it could be as, as simple as, you know, walking classrooms and, and encouraging a student or, or asking questions of them. And I think that as a principal, we get so caught up in, as you said, those things that could lead to our downfall. Well, you're sounding like you're describing some principal meetings I've been to in my career <laughs> where, you know, the focus is not on the joy part of it. It's, it's focused on the management part or it's focused on the compliance part, which is part of the job. I mean, don't get me wrong. We are, as principals, leaders, but we're also managers. So those things are important, and you have to be able to, to uh, be successful at those as well to overall be a successful principal. But you know those political forces that are an undercurrent, and as you climb the ladder, you get closer and closer to, to that political machine. But I try to just give my coaches a, an opportunity to reflect on What's something good that happened of late? Tell me a win. That's where I always start our co coaching conversations. It's not, all right, I know you got that parent coming in at three. Let's tackle that. It's tell me what's good right now. And that's a great place for us to get centered before we have a coaching conversation because often as principals, we're just, we're firefighters. You know, we're putting out the next blaze that just happens to, to pop up. 
we don't get a chance to sit there and reflect and say, that was great. That worked well. That's why I'm going to come back and do this again tomorrow. Larry, you're offering the ruckus maker listening today. Tons of value. But let's pause here for just a second for a message from our sponsors. Better Leaders, Better Schools is proudly sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills, and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher with the students, helping them create a predictable and dependable classroom routine. Learn more and improve your students' executive functioning and non-cognitive skills at organizedbinder.com. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. Imagine if you could give every teacher their own personal instructional coach. But now you can with TeachFX. Using the latest advances in artificial intelligence, TeachFX gives teachers private, personalized feedback on student engagement, all from the microphone of their phone, tablet, and laptop. Learn more and get a special offer by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BL. BS. Well, hey there, Ruckus Maker. We're here today with Dr. Larry Hosner, and we were talking about the principal coaching model, how to plan, design, and implement a successful program, which is his new book. We talked about implementing change and how he connected with that teacher who was retired for a decade and asked a simple question, why are you still here and what that led to? And so to round up this episode, it's clear that you're great with questions, Larry. You asked that retired teacher why, and you are coaching leaders one-on-one and bringing up questions all the time to help guide and facilitate their growth. I love this uh, quote by Tony Robbins, who says, quality questions create a quality life. Successful people ask better questions, and as a result, they get better answers. Larry, what is one question you wish our listeners would ask more often as a school leader? You mean to a school leader, asking to a school leader? Sorry, let me rephrase that. So that ruckus maker listening right now, mm-hmm. what is one question she should be asking of herself each day? What's one question you'd have her ask? I think it kind of goes back to what I'm talking about. You know, what's my purpose in this picture at, at this particular school? When I, why am I here? What, what is my role? And it's more, I think it's, again, looking outside of the management piece, but looking outside of the, I'll call it sustainability. So when you are no longer the principal there, not that, again, we're looking to leave our stamp on something, but what, what do you want people to think about you when you're no longer there? And you know, when you move from school to school or from one school to a department, you know, that's in the rear view mirror, but those people are still there and you've touched them, students and staff. And I think that when you leave that building, you're not, you may be gone physically, but your, your presence is still there to a degree. And I think that um, something you should be asking yourself is what's my role? What do I want my, I guess you could say legacy to be. For me, it's about relationships. You know, I, in terms of being successful at every school in terms of improving student outcomes, check the box. Every school I've been at, student outcomes have improved. Um, I believe the culture and the climate of the schools that I have been a principal at have improved. But at the end of the day, 
I would like people to think that I treated people well, because I think when we look back at those that we've worked, who we've worked for, I think that's what we think about. We don't think about uh, maybe that assistant soup that gave me a directive, but I think about, you know, how did she treat me when I needed some support or how, how did she reach out to me in times of uh, crisis or just flat out, was she or he, um, you know, a pleasant person to be around? And did they motivate me? Did they challenge me? So I think that that's what I would, I would think that she should be asking herself. And Larry, what message would you put on all school marquees across the globe if you could do so for just a day? Well, I think I said it earlier, make a positive difference in the life of a child today. Now you're ready for the last question. You've been a great guest. You're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. Larry, how would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? Well, my top three, that's a great question. My top three priorities would be, first of all, starting off with that teaching staff and getting those superstar teachers that'll run through a burning building with you. So I think I would start with the teachers having those superstars that I've seen at all the schools that I've worked with, I definitely would start there. Obviously, the research shows that teachers are the most influential factor in improving student performance and building relationships. So I've got to start with the teaching staff. I think I would also want a supportive and trusting community. And I throw that word trusting because I've worked for a number of schools and seen a number of um, coaches that have parent communities that are supportive, but not, not that trusting. So I think that I would aspire to have a trusting and supportive school community. And I think that it, since resources are not, are not an issue for this uh, hypothetical situation, I think that I would love to be able to have a blank check in terms of supporting my teachers and students with high-end, engaging technology tools. I say tools because often we think technology is the end-all be-all and it's not a panacea, but it certainly is something that we need to be able to um, have in our, in our classrooms or on our campuses to engage the learner and provide that, that independent and challenging, collaborative and creative environment for them. And I think that um, you know, we always have a list of things, boy, we'd love to have that in terms of technology. So if I have a blank check, I think I'd choose that. Larry, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Well, I think that I'd like your ruckus members uh, to remember that it is about the students. It should be about the students. And principals and assistant principals should be getting support. Um, it's too difficult of a job to lead on that island. And I would say be a, a noisy gong and go, go to your superiors and say, we need support. And it's not because we're not doing a great job. It's because we want to be better. Well, Ruckus Maker, you heard it from Dr. Larry Hosner. You deserve the support. Go out there, ask Larry, connect with him, see how he can support you. You deserve it. And we want to help you grow. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. 
If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.